Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning in California, we have a an extremely extracalifragilistically super expialidocious uh, special guest. We have John Dillon with us, one of the attorneys of record for Miller versus Bonta, which if you don't know this case in California, it's very well known in the Second Amendment community because uh, it was a district court case uh, for the federal district court of Southern California, uh, which struck down the uh, assault weapon ban, quote unquote, assault weapon ban in California as a violation of the Second Amendment. And uh, so we're honored to have John Dillon, who was, uh, did a lot of hard work on that to make that happen with us this morning. Thanks for being here, John. No, thanks for having me. So John, uh, I like to take people a little bit through how to find this online because this is so worth reading. So I'm gonna share my screen here. And yeah, go for it. Yeah, so all I did was bring up, um, I brought up Google, Google Scholar and anybody can do this. You can go to case law and then federal courts because it's a federal decision. Miller versus Bonta, and a couple things come up. Um, I'm going to click on this top one because it's got the federal reporter there, uh, the, the little F, and I like to use that. And when you pull it up, you can scroll down. You can print this out as a PDF, which is what I do. And there's your name right there, John Dillon, right there. What a name. You ever get you, you ever get stuff for that name <laughs> that that's a that's a criminal yes right? uh john dillinger is the one that comes up the oh, most john dillinger so okay. much so that i i went yeah uh, i okay, went and got so. a one of the original papers of his jailbreak uh put it up on my wall because of it oh that's funny so this mm -hmm. decision is a really good one to read uh all the way through and I think it's pretty understandable. Um, Rob Roger Benitez was the district judge. Tell us about Roger Benitez, John. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what was he like? <laughs> judge Benitez, uh, honestly, a great objective judge. I was um, very happy, you know, with his, uh, you know, attention to detail, and he really wanted to listen to both sides, both parties' arguments. Uh, he, you know, it was uh, it was refreshing to see a judge that was, you know, truly interested and wanted to understand, you know, what everyone was talking about. Uh, you know, sometimes you come across uh, you know, judges who, you know, that. They, they're not that interested in, in understanding the, the truly technical details of, of all the arguments. They just want to, you know, understand the broad aspects of it and then rule. But, uh, you know, we, we had a judge who is very interested in the case, uh, very interested in the arguments on both sides, uh, and he really paid attention. And he went over, you know, one of the things we constantly refer to is, you know, and he even brought it up, is there's over 14,000 pages of evidence in this case. Uh, and he said, I read every single page uh, and every single word of every single page. So, you know, just to sit down and think, you know, how long it takes to read that much uh, evidence and documentation. It, it's it was cool to see, uh, you know, that's the judicial system, you know, really working there. So uh, it was good. And, uh, you know, I believe he's a fair judge. And I think uh, we got a good decision from our arguments. Did you uh, believe him when he said that he read everything? I honestly did. I, yeah. I, I did. It, it wasn't, uh, there's no doubt when he said it because, you know, during trial there, you know, he would ask questions just to clarify certain things. And, you know, the questions he asked were, you'd only ask if you were reading the evidence. So mm. um, that really is, invested and wants to you know make a good uh authentic ruling that's based off the evidence that's awesome 
So you won this case, and I and I'm I'm as I go through and I read this decision, I have it printed out because uh, I like the paper copies. But um, he seemed to brush aside. Well, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but Ninth Circuit precedent, like the way the Ninth Circuit had approached the Second Amendment, and he he was basically saying that's in yeah, conflict so with Heller. Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the big thing that's happened and, you know, with this, the newest uh, Supreme Court decision out of the Bruin case, uh, we really saw this. But, you know, it's funny the, the this Southern District Court judge of California, uh, he was the one that, you know, actually read Supreme Court precedent of, of Heller and, and McDonald and applied the, you know, the standard of review that, you know, these cases did. Uh, the problem being is for the last 10 years, you know, uh, I think, uh, or more than 10 years now, uh, Heller was decided back in 2008. Um, yeah. and, and since that time after McDonald and I think 2011, the, the lower courts, the courts of appeals, uh, not just in the ninth circuit, but also across the country, they developed slight variations of what they would basically call this two-part test. Uh, and this two-part test was never done by uh you know the court the supreme court and heller was never done by the court in mcdonald uh this two-part dash just kind of appeared out of nowhere in the court of appeals uh level um and so this test that they would apply you know that was used by a lot of the the you know i'm gonna call them in more of the liberal states you know you got uh maybe some liberal judges that would use this test to basically uphold every single uh, gun control ordinance law or regulation that was proposed. And so for the past 10 years, you got a lot of cases where, you know, if you looked at the overall trend of, you know, how these decisions were going, using this two-part test, you could basically enact any type of gun control and the courts were going to uphold it. Uh, it was this interest balancing test that they get to just states can justify it. And, you know, they don't really have to rely on evidence. They don't have to prove that, you know, these regulations or, you know, gun control restrictions are actually being effective. They just have to like, you know, want it to be effective and think it could be effective. And because of that, you got this bad precedent that came for the last 10 years. And in this case, you know, Miller v. Bonte was interesting because, uh, you know, just, uh, Judge Benitez, he really looked at Heller and the precedent of Heller and said, look, you know, uh, the, the plaintiffs here were, they're challenging this law that bans a class of firearms, uh, you know, all these semi-automatic firearms that the state is now calling assault weapons. He's like, well, right. you know, based off of Heller, you can't just ban guns. Uh, yeah. And there's no legal justification for that. And so he, what he called the Heller test is he applied this categorical test. Now, if you are, if the state is trying to ban a, a class of arms, well, that's it. The test is over. You can't ban something that's in common use uh, throughout the country. And, and we made it clear through the evidence that we presented in the case that, look, all these guns that they, they want to, you know, the term that everyone's like, likes to use. Uh, you know, these things are common firearms that have been around for a long time uh, mm. and they're in common use. They're probably one of the most popular, the AR-15 specifically is probably the most popular uh, firearm today, uh, especially the most popular rifle, just everyone has one. Um, and so the, the court said, look, you know, you, you cannot ban guns that are in common use uh, and there's no tiered scrutiny analysis, no interest balancing applied here. Uh, it's just categorically unconstitutional. Now, what he also did, uh, because he still, you know, had this precedent of uh, this two-part test, he said, yeah. well, first, we're going to analyze it under the Heller test. And yeah. that's, I know, really I'm like making that. my decision off of that Heller test. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, but because the Ninth Circuit and other circuits are insistent about using this, you know, made up two part test, I'll also, right. you know, apply that in the alternative. 
And in the decision, he kind of lays this out and it does it in a really well done way to where you can read through and truly follow along. And so wow. then he went and analyzed, you know, the state's ban under this two-part test and also invalidated the, the ban under that test. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what stood out to me because for everybody listening, this uh, decision came down last summer, right? Um, mm -hmm. I remember where I was when it came down. I was at the Orange County gun show. And oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, it came up on my phone. I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody and, and, and someone said we won Miller. And of course, you know, it, I was at the gun show at the time. And so we were like, Oh, hey, you just be yelled it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then pretty much like within 15 minutes, everybody at the gun show, I think, well, maybe not everybody, but but uh, everybody that was paying attention that, was yeah. it got it got a, it got around, and mm -hmm. um, I printed it out re uh, soon after that, and um, and started reading it. And when I read it, I, I what stood out to me was he said, "Hey, the Ninth Circuit has Heller and the Supreme Court precedent wrong. I know I'm bound by the Ninth Circuit, but." Because he's a, he was a district court, so there's three levels. There's a district court, there's the circuit court, which is in between them and the Supreme Court, and then there's the Supreme Court. Well, he says the Supreme Court is actually higher than the Ninth Circuit, so that's the one we should use. So I'm going to use that, but the Ninth Circuit doesn't like that one, so I'm going to use the Ninth Circuit's too, and it's it wins either way. So, yeah. um, but what I now now since Bruin came down, the the recent Second Amendment case that big case that was decided last month, we're we're recording this in July of 2022, mm -hmm. and this was last month, about a month ago. Basically, isn't it correct that that decision clarified the test and clarified that? Judge Benitez used the right test when he used the Heller test. He characterized it right. Yeah. So uh, right? Bruin was huge. Yeah. Uh, Bruin was a big uh, decision. And, uh, you know, it was written uh, by the justice that I was hoping it was going to be written by, you know, Justice Thomas. Um, why do you, now, why do you say but, that? Why do you why do you say that you wish that Justice Thomas wrote it? Uh, I was hoping he was going to write it because, you know, in, in the last 10 years, there's been a number of cases that have uh, tried to petition for Supreme Court review, uh, and they've been denied for you know various reasons. And yeah. there have been a number of times where Justice Thomas has written a dissent to rejecting uh, you know, the petition to be for Supreme Court review. And he's laid out some pretty good arguments, uh, you know, and I, a lot of people quote him as like, hey, look, the, the Second Amendment is not a second class right. You know, it, it, it's not the, the constitutional or you know, these statements, if you've ever heard them, they're coming generally from Justice Thomas's dissents over the years. Um, so it's been pretty clear that he's uh, disagreed with, you know, not uh, reviewing some of these prior decisions uh, from the lower courts. And he's wanted to clarify and really get uh, everything right, uh, you know, post Heller. And, and so I was glad to see that, you know, um, you know, it seems like he was able to get what he it was been uh, writing and hoping to get for a, a good decade now. Yeah. So, um... uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, with Bruin. So the, the big thing, everyone's talking and, and, you know, makes national news and everyone's talking about the fact where it, you know, the, the subject matter of Bruin was a concealed carry restriction in, in New York state doing this proper cause requirement. Again, yeah. it's very similar to what California has, and we call it good cause. Right. Uh, basically requires you to prove that you're some special person that you get, you need a CCW or a concealed carry permit over the other, you know, normal, ordinary people of the world. Um, so they struck that down. That's what a lot of the press, a lot of the media were, you know, was talking about, which was big and has ramifications you know, nationally. And we've already seen that a lot. 
uh, especially in California, and a lot of the sheriffs had said, hey, look, no more good cause, you know, just right, not applicable, which is fantastic. But the thing that kind of went over, you know, the head of a lot of just people that aren't involved in, you know, the court system litigation is the striking down of this two-part test uh, that the lower courts have been implying and using in the in all these various Second Amendment cases, they explicitly said, no, this test is not the proper test. You are not to use this test anymore. And then uh, the decision Bruin went on to clarify, you know, you know what Heller really said and, and how we're supposed to analyze these cases. And yes, uh, it, you know, it mirrors uh, Judge Benitez's decision in, in Miller v. Bonta very well in the fact that, you know, he, you know, there's a historical analysis, a categorical ban on guns. Yeah, you know, there, there's no historical precedent for that, and it's unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful for that decision. I'm so grateful that uh, it was, like like you said, I was looking, I was scrolling down really fast when it came down, and I was like, okay, who wrote it? Who wrote it? And then <laughs> yeah. when I saw Justice Thomas, I was like, okay, oh, geez. As soon as God. I saw that, I, I started smiling yeah. before I even yeah. read a single yeah. part of the opinion. Yeah. I, I I already knew where that was going to go just based off of his uh, previous writings. Uh, I'd only so read was- one of those that you mentioned, uh, these denials, de- dissents from denial of cert. Yeah. Uh, it was called sylvester versus harris or something like that yeah that was a good one <laughs> yeah and and you look it up uh you gotta you gotta look it up it's not very long it's only six pages or something like that but uh, and man, it's a really was, great read yeah i think that that might have been where he said he finds it hard to believe the second amendment uh protected little more than carrying your gun from the kitchen to the bedroom or something like that and yeah, um, yeah. and so he really lays it out in, in a very real way. Yeah. You know, the way that you really can't deny if you ever, if you ever want to talk to, you know, your more liberal anti-gun friends and have some good points to make, just pull up some uh, Justice Thomas's dissent uh, or his opinion in Bruin here, and you'll, you'll have the ammunition you need to, to make a good argument. Have you ever done that? Has that ever worked in your, in personal experience? Oh, well, it, it, in my line of work, you know, I deal with all this stuff all the time. Yeah. I've yeah. read all of these opinions. So yeah, it is always, uh, whenever I talk to anyone who's, you know, more anti-gun than me, which, <laughs> yeah, most people that lean the other way are, um, yeah. you know, I, I do make these points and I always like to, you know, especially when I'm talking to friends, family, you know, even random strangers who notice a shirt or something I'm wearing, I try to be very nice and uh, just come at it from uh, a perspective of, hey, look, you know, I obviously am involved in this stuff. I know a little bit, uh, <laughs> be humbly, humbly say. And so I always try to be like, you know, come to people by asking questions and that's good, you know, kind of posing problems to them like, okay, well, what do you mean by this? And what do you yeah. think about that? And do you think this is right? And I've had really good success just on a personal level. You know, uh, I haven't had to cut off any, you know, friends uh, or family, even if they're, you know, on the opposite political spectrum as me. Um, oh, everyone knows I'm the gun guy in the family, but, uh, you know, it, it's at the very least, I can always shake hands. And, and I feel like both sides walk away a little bit better. Yeah, that's I think that's really healthy. Uh, I think that's the right way well, to do I, it. I try, you know, 40 well, years of telling people not to talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. I, I firmly believe uh, we, we forgot how to do that in, in a uh, good way. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, that's, there's something there. So uh, you seem, John, you seem like you have some wisdom there. Uh, did you learn that the hard way or did you, are you just naturally like this? Like just you smile, you seem like you're good humored. Is that just a personality? Is that, sir, is there a medication uh, well, <laughs> we can take for that? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I call it wisdom. I just, I, I try to be nice uh, and, you know, humble. You know, I, in the line of work that I'm in, I work with some amazing, amazing, extraordinarily smart people. 
Um, so, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm humbled every day and, and I love what I do and who I work with. And uh, so, you know, I think you, every day you can wake up, you can learn something uh, yeah. and you can better yourself or your life in some way. And whether it's through a bunch of YouTube how-to videos or, you know, interacting with people, you will always learn something from someone. I don't care who they are. Well, amen to that. Uh, in terms of this assault rifle, assault weapon ban, um, I think a lot of people on the other side think that they can just clearly define this, this item. And that came up in the decision. Um, can you take us through the definitional issue there? Uh, and what, in terms of the definition of assault weapon, I think it came up pretty, pretty early in this. Um, if I recall, uh, I think it's the, yeah. yeah. So uh, assault weapons defined, uh, it's, it's not easy to define. I mean, these are just stipulated, you know, term, right. Um, it, yeah, it, feel, so, it feels kind of made up, but you know, I, I got oh, the impression <laughs> that, that <laughs> I got the impression that Benita's was, was not really impressed with this definition. Um, and the definition yeah, is like know, everything, right? So, yeah. So this is the problem. Um, and, and the decision goes into this and it involves the, the whole history of the California assault weapon ban. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it started in 89. This is the first assault weapon ban in the country, even before the federal ban here. Uh, and the federal ban was actually modeled off of this one. Um, but it started off by banning guns by their make and model and, and naming specific firearms that were banned. And, right. you know, uh, then they, a couple of years down the road, they added additional lists of series and different types that are kind of similar to the name guns they, they banned. And they did that uh, because they, they felt that the first band wasn't doing its job. So they got to add more guns. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in 2000 was when they really, they stepped away from banning guns based off of the name, the make and model. And they started banning guns based off of their features and characteristics that, you know, the things attached to the gun. Um, and so now you have your feature based definition is one you know way people define these things, but it's basically a semi-automatic centerfire uh, rifle, if we're talking about rifle assault weapons, that has yep. a detachable magazine. That's how it started. And then any one of this list of features. And the yeah. list of features basically was, you know, a collapsible or adjustable stock, uh, a pistol grip, uh, you know, a forward vertical grip, a flash hider, little things that you can attach to your gun, which have various purposes and, and you know, they're designed to do different things but they said if it has these things and it has a detachable magazine which means you know early on it meant if you press a button you can release the magazine yeah. now now we the, the state has redefined yeah. what detachable magazine versus fixed magazine is you know three times over after that but yeah. that was the the yeah. definition back in the day and so since 2000 they've amended it at least two more times, if not three times, I'm kind of losing track at this point. <laughs> and each time they redefine, you know, certain features, they add certain features, or they even add like a whole class of firearms. The most recent uh, change to the assault weapon law was actually done while we were in litigation, challenging mm -hmm. the assault weapon law. Mm -hmm. And they added a whole new category of assault weapon called assault firearm, which is a gun that's not a rifle, it's not a pistol, it's uh, not a shotgun, but it's a firearm. And, mm. you know, they made a whole new assault weapon definition based off of that. Mm. So this whole thing with this ever-changing definition that keeps getting expanded and keeps trying to lump more and more firearms into it. Yeah, uh, the, the court wasn't, you know, very impressed with this ever-changing nonstop definition that has no end. And they just... The arguments that were made at trial too were, hey, we're a state, we're allowed to experiment with our laws. Right. And, you know, that's why we amend this stuff. And I think 
one of the points that were, was made in the decision was like, look, you've been experimenting for 40 years uh, and we really haven't seen a benefit here. Yeah. Uh, so to say that this is just an initial experiment and you're still fiddling with it is, is kind of a joke uh, to say. And I don't think the court was impressed by that. Um, and that's just yeah. one of the many reasons. But yeah, it, the, the features that are associated with what people call assault weapons, they, they do not increase uh, the you know, lethality or the killing ability or the mass murder ability of, of the gun. In fact, they make it uh, you know, more accurate, safer, more handleable. And, you know, yes, uh, you know, right. my wife's not the same size as me. If I pull, you know, a, a rifle with these features and I'm able to adjust the stock, I can literally hand it to her and she can fit it to herself to where she can properly handle and safely handle that gun uh, like it's her own and like it was fitted to her in, in a matter of seconds. So there's uh, yeah. amazing self-defense benefits to the guns and the features that are associated with them. Yeah, that's what I was impressed with, with his, uh, with Judge Benitez's opinion here was that his decision was that um, he went back to the issue of self-defense over and over again. And he kept, kept hammering that in there like, okay, you're, you're experimenting. Okay, but at what cost? At what cost to civil yeah. liberties, right? And the Supreme Court has already said the point of the Second Amendment is self-defense. That's what's protected. And uh, the police are not always around. And it, it's pretty clear that if you're saying, uh, Mr., Mr. Attorney General, if you're saying that these make it more dangerous, well, but... I, what, what he say is all guns are dangerous. He says that, that that's the, that's kind of the point. Like if you're, if you're do, using them for self-defense or anti-crime, they have to be dangerous for the criminal. I mean, that's why police carry guns, right? Because it's dangerous for the criminal, right? And uh, it's, it's good for self-defense for the police officer. Um, that's the whole point of uh, carrying these kind of weapons for the police because the police need to defend themselves when they're carrying out the law and uh ordinary people need to defend themselves from the same kind of crappy things that happen you know like murder and and stuff like that yeah, and he actually references specific self-defense uh you know situations that have happened you know where people used uh, yes that's right that's right that. Because part of the state's argument is like, oh, these are not self-defense you know, weapons. And it's like, no, not only are they, you know, can we point to, you know, actual circumstances where they were used in self-defense is, you know, part of the evidence under that two-part test that we had to argue under uh, yeah. in the alternative here was that right. not only can they be used for self-defense, they're actually ideal for self-defense. Mm. And then the other aspect uh, that Judge uh benitez and the court looked at here was you know self-defense is one aspect uh, uh, uh under the second amendment but it doesn't negate the fact that you know there is a militia aspect under the second amendment and you know we may not have a need to have a, a citizen militia formed to stop you know an invading you know tyrant or even an internal tyrant at the moment but that's still one of the reasons why you, you have the second amendment is so we can do that it's and right protect there. ourselves individually, right but also as a country. Yeah. Um, and so part of this decision, he always said, not only are these guns that you're trying to ban, not just rifles, but pistols, shotguns, everything, not only are, you know, these guns good for self-defense, but they're also ideal for militia use. Mm. You know, the, the fact that, they're common. Everyone has them. Their parts are interchangeable. People can show up and everyone knows how to use it because everyone has them. You know, these are all things that are important for the, the militia if the need should ever come. And, you know, people like to scoff at stuff like that and, and say, oh, no, that'll never happen. You're crazy. You're just some you know, right wing nut job. And look, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime soon. But you are ignorant of history if you think that a civilization will rise and never fall. It's just, I'm sorry, that's what happens. 
uh, it, it's inevitable. Eventually it will happen, may not happen in our lifetime or even our kids' lifetime, but conflict always arises, whether it's internal or external, it'll always be there. You cannot name me a civilization that has never fallen. Um, right, right. And, and if you can, it's because it's brand new like ours. Cause yeah. in the grand scheme of history, we, we are a baby of a country. Um, yeah. So I don't like when people try to say, oh, but if and when that ever does happen, people are going to be very glad to have the, the ability to defend themselves. And, you know, the most you know, recent kind of similarity, when you, you know, Ukraine, you know, they started arming their own civilian population because they're being invaded. Right. You know, are the chances of the U.S. being invaded similar than Ukraine's? No, but everyone was very willing to support Ukraine and the arming of its own citizens, uh, you know, in that circumstance. But I think we just live in a very wonderful life these days to just have the ability to scoff at the notion that, you know, bad things could ever happen in our country. So I think generally uh, bottom line comes down to it. It's like the militia argument is an important argument. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the California still has a militia, and there's a code right in the in the statutes um, that defines the California militia. Right? There's an or, unorganized militia. Are you are you? Yeah. Aware so of this? yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the way that the militias have always worked out historically and everything, and we had uh, a retired general, Youngman. He was uh, he provided testimony in the case regarding militia was militia which would most aptly be like our national guard uh and then there's the unorganized militia which is the people you know we the people um and yeah so in the times where you need to you know bring the unorganized militia together they need to be able to have arms that they're going to use in the militia and what better than these guns that California tries to prohibit? So, uh, John, how did you get interested in firearms? Did you grow up with firearms? No, it's a kind of funny story. So, uh, I grew up, didn't know anything about guns. I think my dad had a couple old uh, war guns that were passed down to him. Uh, when I was a kid, I found out that they were in the attic. And apparently I kept telling all my friends, Hey, we got guns up in the attic. Um, and so my dad sold them off because he was worried I was going to crawl up in the attic and then do something, I guess. So I'm still a little resentful that he sold some historical guns, but yeah, I understand. So I, I wasn't around guns at all. Uh, I had, I, I would admit the, uh, you know, before college, I was ignorant to history and, and to politics and the constitutional rights. Uh, and I had no interest in it, to, to be honest. And, you know, got through law school, went to UCLA. Uh, it was a history major, which, you know, sparked uh, the interest a little bit more when it came to just, uh, you know, what we went through as a country and what brought us here today. And then, you know, I decided I wanted to go to law school. I was in uh, undergrad and uh, in the first year of law school, I had lectures that were very far apart. I think one ended at one in the afternoon. The next one was at nine at night. And, you know, anyone who's lived in L.A., the traffic is so horrible. I didn't want to drive home and then drive back and have six hours of traffic. Did you say you went to UCLA law school? Uh, no, I went to UCLA undergrad Loyola Law School for uh, oh, okay. law school. Yeah, well, yeah. both of those places have bad traffic, especially Westwood. Yeah, so, Westwood's really bad. And I lived in Westwood at the time. And so I'd drive from Westwood to downtown LA to go to law school. And yeah, wasn't That's wasn't tough. about to do that in between classes. But yeah. a buddy of mine, we, we realized that there was a, a gun range kind of down the street from us. Uh, and we're like, hey, you know we're old we're 21 let's go shoot some guns we're adults uh <laughs> not knowing anything and so we went and shot and you know took a lesson and you know got to do you know shoot some random handguns and you know kept going because this was our you know kind of break of the day to try to get out of the 
the brain melting of law school. And uh, so that got me into it to the point where I then eventually I went and bought my first gun. And hmm. I thought I could just show up and buy a gun in California because I was still ignorant to all the rules and regulations then. Hmm. And I think it took me two, three weeks to figure out all the paperwork I needed to get everything organized and together to, <laughs> in order to get a gun. Cause I'd come in and be like, well, here's my ID. And they're like, oh, you need second proof. So I'll go bring my second proof the next day. No, no, no. You gotta get this and that. And you know, um, Oh man. So finally got a Glock, you know, a Glock 21, uh, and started shooting more regularly and, and really started kind of diving into the, just the, the personal use aspect of it. Still ignorant to the law and everything. But then I was on a forum one day and I had switched my barrel out on my Glock and got a, a match grade barrel, but it also had some ports on it. Mm -hmm. And I read something on this forum where guys, oh, that's illegal to change your barrel on your, your handgun in California. <laughs> and I just panic. I read that and I'm like, oh my God, I, I committed yeah. a felony. And I, I literally go to the law school library and I start researching California gun law in order to, you know, get my defense going for when yeah. the ATF breaks through my door and, <laughs> you know, arrest me for changing the barrel. I was in sheer panic mode. Oh, um, but I started reading all the laws under that circumstance and figured out that no, the guy was wrong. I didn't do anything illegal. And then I was like, started reading all these regulations and like wow this is but this the fact that it was that. but it was believable it was like believable for a yeah. second that it was exactly. totally believable yeah. because there's no, there's no common sense on any of this it's not yeah. like you can just check common sense like you know it's not like the law against bank robbery or something like you know yeah. i don't i never panic i never time. panic that i'm a bank robber because it's like nope. common sense, like, you know, you're only a bank robber if you've carried out this overt action that harms people. Oh, yeah. In California, you can literally go to a store, buy a part, completely legal, pay for it, bring it home. It's legal to have, possess, hold everything. But then you stick it onto your gun, even though it doesn't do anything to change the gun. Now you're a felon. It doesn't hurt it's anybody. Absurd. Yeah. yeah. So. I started the rabbit hole of just researching it like crazy. And that's what got me into, you know, constitutional law and, and second amendment. And that kind of wow. snowballed through law school. There's no books and stuff for classes at law school about second amendment. I distinctly remember in my con law class, the lecture in law school. Was this pre Heller? That, you know, we got, we did the first amendment. Uh, let's see. No, this is a post teller, which is okay. even more more surprisingly. Um, so we do the First Amendment, spend weeks on the First Amendment law school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we do the Second Amendment, and he just reads it, and he says, it's regulated to the militia next. And that was it. No other talk about the Second Amendment. I think we read like two cases uh, in the case book, if there were any, the Miller case, uh, and or that something. was it. And yeah. so I realized, I was like, oh, if I gotta, am I gonna learn this? I, you gotta do your own research. So that's when I just started, you know, looking up penal code sections online, and uh, that's kind of how it, it it snowballed in this. And then after getting my license of practice and everything, working at Carlsbad firm, I convinced the partners there, like, hey, look. You know, gun law is a big thing in this state, but there's not a lot of people doing it. And, you know, the, the few people who do, you know, a lot of them are more criminal lawyers that deal with gun stuff because they have to in criminal defense stuff. But no one does any of the, you know, civil action stuff where there's, you know, one guy you know, I could think of at the, you know, there's Chuck Michelle, especially at that time, is the only one I knew of yeah. that did any of this kind of stuff. And I was like... Feel like we need more people doing this and yeah. so i convinced them to let me do it and oh that's cool. uh so i ran that kind of practice for a while and then i what right at the beginning of covid yeah literally the, the same time we went in our first lockdown i decided to branch off start my own firm and you know oh wow do this on my own so uh that's the the story of how i got to where i am but yeah, yeah it's really just started with you know i went shooting and then enjoyed it and then i 
couldn't understand why I couldn't have certain things that did no harm to anyone and, you know, didn't, you know, create some catastrophic, you know, uh, you know nuclear right. bomb that we're talking, you know, that yeah. oftentimes gets referenced. And it just reading these things, when you sit down and read them, they don't make sense. No. They, they, like you said earlier, common sense does not come into the thought process. Um, and that's and that the, bothered that's me. the, that's like the anxiety. That. That's the anxiety is because how do you, because no one can read all that stuff, right? I mean, you can, because you, it's your job, but most people. Yeah, it I took mean, me I'm, years to get through, you know, it, yeah. just to get through one time. And, you know, I still have to reread it all the time to truly understand it. Right. And so, and sometimes they seem to conflict. They don't really make a lot of sense. It's just, a lot of it just seems made up. And so there's no, there's no help from common sense to keep track of it. Like that's because common sense would be like, okay, something's criminal because it hurts innocent people. Right. That's, that's kind of, yeah. but like, this is what I love about this topic, John, this uh, Miller versus Bonta, because this, when this so-called assault weapon ban went into effect, what a lot of people don't understand this with the bullet button thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what in fact happened was somebody could go from model citizen one day like eagle scout and they have a bullet button that's not registered the next day they're now a not only a criminal the worst kind a felon they're a felon Mm -hmm. and it's just it's unconscionable to me that but there's no overt act no over overt act they didn't do anything so in other words they could be everything you bought was perfectly legal and now one day you're back let's say you're you're in a car accident you're in a coma and the coma lasts for i don't know however long uh not you know weeks or month maybe a month or something you go from when you were in the coma you began the coma not a criminal you come out of the coma you're a criminal for and you did nothing you didn't need to, you, you, you don't even need a coma. So listen to this. So I, there are people that, you know, the guns were passed down to them. And so, you know, their father gave them a gun or a rifle, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, and, you know, they're not big on shooting. So they, you know, put that gun in a safe and that gun is sat in a safe for 20 years and they don't constantly read up on all the new legislation that's passed, you know, every year uh, like most people don't um and then they're, they're not like big gun people they don't they just were given a gun they put in the safe it sat in the safe for years right that's and yeah. then you know you, they i get calls still to this day we're like hey you know i got a gun that was given to me i don't know anything about it and i'm like look man th- that's illegal you, you're you're felon in your felony possession right now uh you can't have that gun and they're like what are you talking about like why like hmm. My, my dad didn't break the law getting it. He's like, I was like, no, you know, they just passed a law that says that if you own that gun, it's now illegal. And they're like, well, when they do that? It's like, well, they do it. You just don't hear about it. It's not like you get a little notice in the mail saying, hey, you know, just in case uh, you ever own one of these guns, we're going to be making this illegal now. Like in order to keep up to date with all this stuff, you got to have, you know, Google alerts. You got to be following along. You got to be heavily invested in this type of legislation in order just to keep up to date and people have a difficult time doing that. I mean, you know, I can do it because it's my job. That's what I do. But, you know, an everyday person has their own job that has nothing to do with this type of stuff, you know, family, kids, you know, everything else that comes in life. Now it's unfair just the bottom line. It's just unfair to, to think that owning a piece of, property is now magically illegal and now magically makes you a felon to where like and you got to think about like felon a felony conviction is not something that's just like oh oh, well don't worry about it voting rights second amendment rights like every job you ever apply for and that's going to always pop up it's life-changing and you know it's just absurd to think that a completely law-abiding good person that's done nothing wrong their entire life is magically a bad guy because they didn't change a part on their gun one day. Yeah. It's 
it's you know some of the rhetoric on this when it's infuriating to really yes the longer you think about it yes it is i think it is appropriately infuriating i'm glad that comes out because i think a lot of people in the middle they don't when they hear the truth about it when they when you cut through the rhetoric and all that and and you just get at the truth like you can go from criminal to non-criminal in less than a minute midnight midnight to 1201 it's just a matter of passing time it's not anything you did like yep. to become a criminal for a bank robbery i have to actually go rob a bank yeah th- th- there's a, at least I have to go do action that is required or plan yeah. I, you know, I have to plan and this it, you don't even you know. have to do anything yeah, yeah, this this is like there's no overt act and there's nothing that harms anybody. And uh, people talk about banning yeah. guns. You're really banning people. You're you're criminalizing no, wait, guns. You're criminalizing about, the person. It's the person you're yeah, going when you're after. talking about banning guns, this is what you're talking about. You are talking about changing people's lives for the worst. You're talking about making people criminals. And you're talking about in the end, you're talking about police kicking down people's doors searching their house, tearing their house apart, taking their property and arresting them because they own something, not because they ever did anything bad with it, not because they've ever threatened anyone, not because that gun's ever been used in any type of crime whatsoever. Just the simple fact that the angle on the grip is like this and not this, you know, it's 15 degree difference. You get to now you're saying because your grip is different than I want it, we get to tear your life apart and potentially ruin your life in multiple ways because you have the wrong grip on your gun. And I like, we were talking earlier, when we're talking just to normal people, like that's what I always bring up. Like you are literally, you're advocating for tearing someone's life apart, tearing someone's family apart because they hold their gun like this and not like this. And that's it. And once you get down to the, you know, the brass tacks of that type of stuff, it, it's not only scary that you know people could support such a notion. It's like I said, it's infuriating. It's like you you don't you don't understand what you're saying when you're saying, oh, I want we need to ban these guns because you have not thought about the true implications of what you're advocating for. Yeah, John, uh, you seem, okay, so this is important for people to get. John's on the front line of this stuff. He went to UCLA. He was a history major. You probably were like a normal college kid, like, you know, and you did normal stuff. You're responsible as anyone. Yeah, and um, you like to have a good time. You're not like, you you didn't grow up in a militia in the mountain, in, uh, you know, in Michigan somewhere, you know, in in the out woods um you know with your own uh grenade launcher when you were like five you're you were you just were a normal guy and then you were going to law school you decided to go shooting one day and i'll I'll buy my own gun and and then just noticing like all the complications of just even that just at Mm -hmm. that learning period getting leveled up on that at this time when you were buying that gun and you were going through that learning period, how were you feeling? Were you feeling like, was it starting? Were you saying, were you, did you feel, oh, this makes sense? Like I need this other ID or whatever. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, I, the various barriers, was it making sense to you? No, not at all. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it, it made zero sense. It's I'd give them something that, show where I live and they're like, well, no, that's not an approved, you know, uh, proof of residency. It's like, well, this is where I live. This shows you where I live. What else do you want? You want another thing? Oh, no, that's not on the approved list of, you know, tight. We need these documents to prove where you live. And I'm like, dude, like uh, (laughs) I I rent out an apartment. Like, what do you want? They're like, oh, well, bring your lease in. And it's like, all right, so bring the lease in. But the lease address doesn't match my id address because i got my id when i'm like you know 16 18 years old so so has my old house address where my parents still live and uh, i'm sitting there going like look i live in this state i'm a citizen in this state i, I have never broken the law just give me my gun <laughs> and yeah. then you know you, you find out after you do all this oh you got to wait 10 days uh, for your cooling off period and i'm like what am i cooling off about and they're like well you could you know shoot someone i'm like 
huh? And so I'm going to think about it for 10 days and not do it. Uh, where they get 10 days yeah. from? Yeah, yeah it, it's well, amazing. Like, like that's, it, it, that's the it, end of this, these mass shootings is because if the guy only had nine more days, uh, yeah. he would have not done that. Well, what are you well, talking and, about? You know, it's one of the other cases I'm doing is the Jones, Jones v. Bonta case is the challenge to the California's ban on firearms for anyone under 21. So basically, if you're an adult 18 to 20 years old, you can't buy certain firearms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, just to again, let's just break this down. The, the whole argument is like, oh, 20 year olds or 18 year olds are you know impulsive and reckless and we can't trust them uh, with firearms. But okay, so you're saying a guy, he's 20 years old, he's not safe, he's impulsive, and he's reckless, but he turns 21, 24 hours later, magically he becomes, like his brain develops, and he magically becomes this safe, responsible citizen, but now he can buy it? That's just a load of baloney, for lack of a better word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's it's insane. to to try to make that claim and, and you know anyone who's like oh well you know, we had a, the mass shootings or i think it was an 18 year old 20 year old that just recently happened you know yeah. is anyone really trying to claim like if this guy did it he waited a year to do this planned attack he wouldn't have done it you know arguably if he waited a whole another year to plan this out he probably would have done it better uh yeah. and he's not gonna his brain's not gonna magically change into some like good person you have a a psychopath who wants to murder children he's not going to turn 21 and then magically become this wonderful person who's going to be you know a kindergarten teacher it's just not going to happen you're dealing with you know bad evil people that are all sorts of messed up you know the difference between 20 and 21 is not going to matter uh and not to not to mention he drove he drove to where he 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 drove a car legally yeah to, to where he went but no one's talking about taking cars car rights away exactly. car driving privilege. and again the bottom line is if you're gonna say that an 18 19 20 year old adult who has every right that every other adult has uh they can be shipped off to war all over the world yeah get killed or kill others but we can't trust them to have a, a gun it, it, within their own home. Like if you're 18 years old, you're living on your own, you have your own job. Yeah, you you should be you able vote. to have a gun. You should be able to have as many guns as you want to protect yourself in your home. I don't care. Uh, yeah. You can vote. So, you can, yeah, vote. You can be on a jury. <laughs> yep. It's just you don't get to parse out rights because you, you know, make up these arbitrary lines that uh, yeah. you – uh, decide people need to cross before they get, you know, the benefits that everyone else gets. It's absurd. Where's what's the status of uh, Miller versus Bonta now? Is it at the Ninth Circuit? What's what's uh, going yes. on, on with it now? Okay. Uh, so uh, there. Do you have is, a panel? Is there a panel? Do you know yeah, who's, so which the, judges? The panel are decision already came out, uh, oh, and okay. so we were successful in eliminating the state's ban on semi-automatic centerfire rifles. Uh, they also upheld the decision to require the hunting license. Um, but because of Bruin, there's, there's more going on there. I'll say that. And so, uh, there's lots to, lots to do. Okay. So you're pretty busy, I bet. Yeah. Um, with the, the, with the Bruin decision coming out, it, it changed things. And like I said, think about it. There's 10 years of cases that have applied this two-part test, which has been ruled to be the wrong test. Yeah. So when you think about it, all we, those we can be relitigated. Go back ten years of cases, and we now have grounds to relitigate every single one of them if they were decided based off of this two-part test. Um, and this is proper. It's that how it should be because that two-part test was just a ridiculous test. Uh, yeah. It should have never been used in the first place. The test, uh, when you read it, it sounds it's got the lingo that sounds objective and sounds like, you know, legit to some people, yep. I guess, but it's, it, once you dig into it a little bit more, it's, it's kind of biased, right? It's biased toward the government is what you're saying. Right. So 100%. it always, it always gives the government 
the ant the the right the uh the the leeway the right of way mm -hmm. to win yeah and and so they one of the things that you analyze under these tiers of scrutiny which is strict scrutiny intermediate intermediate scrutiny and rational basis and you know they all had different standards strict scrutiny obviously having the highest standard rational basis having the lowest and you know like you said they'd use all this language to be like oh no this is like a true proper test and then they'd go oh and we're going to in, you know, use intermediate scrutiny in our analysis. And so if you just read all of those things, you're like, oh, no, that's a good, fair you know, thing. But when yeah. you see it in action, it's, you know, it's not intermediate scrutiny under any standard. They, they basically, uh, more than once, they upheld uh, various con uh, Second Amendment stuff uh, and prohibitions or restrictions off of intermediate scrutiny that offered literally no evidence in support. They would claim stuff, but then they never support it with evidence and it so would still somehow rational. survive. That would be the lowest one. That would be yeah. rational basis then because rational yeah. basis so is they, like, it's like if you can conceive, if someone somewhere can conceive of some possible reason why the government want, might want to do this, okay, they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they literally, they, they try to mask it as intermediate scrutiny, but they, they were just applying rational basis to everything. And, you know, I, I don't agree with even applying any of these forms of scrutiny uh, and Bruin uh, affirmed that, but it's just right. one of those things that, um, you know, they could literally, uh, you know, uh, move forward on any gun control law, like any restriction you wanted to put, any any restriction the state wanted to put in place, the courts were justifying it off of this, yeah. you know, fake scrutiny analysis, two part test, and so, and you saw a lot of it, you know, um, you know, part of the decision in the the Jones case from the Court of Appeals, they talk about how you know, in the concurring opinion. He's like, look, you know, the, the way you guys justify this, you could justify anything. Yeah. Uh, and there's no end to, to reductio you know, ad absurdum. This standard. Yeah. Yeah. So it reduces um, to absurdity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And but the normal people on the streets, and when you see you know, the media and people doing their you know, 15 second snippets, they don't see that. They don't understand all that. It doesn't, uh, you know come across well and so is that just lack know, of attention span john the abuse sorry is that do you think that's just a lack of attention span on people's parts john or what or what's your theory on why people in california don't get more upset about this are they just not paying attention or do they just i'd not say care? a lot of that um okay. you know this may not be popular opinion but i i think we have some of the most ignorant voting in the country in this state uh people just they vote party line uh you know i'm democrat so i vote for all democrat stuff uh you know or even opposite republican i vote all republican uh, although i'd say the the issue is more on one side than the other i'll let everyone figure that out which side has sure. the problem but it, it's it is hard to don't even understand what they vote for in this state yeah. but yet right. they're adamant about voting for it and it's yeah, it's why we're in the, the state we're in and how bad everything's gotten. Do you feel like when you were at UCLA uh, that you had the same view of the students? Were the students, did you feel like the students were sloppier than they should have been? Or. Uh, yeah, so I have to be, you know, admittedly, when I was in undergrad, uh, you know, I wasn't the, the most academically inclined uh Oh, I got myself through there, but I'd say, yeah, I, I don't believe that the, the critical thinking that used to be in universities is being applied anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, you're, you go into a lecture, you're told this is what you think and that's it. Uh, yeah. there, you know, there's a lot of peer of, pressure too, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I, well, a good example. I remember uh, this is actually in law school. I, was in I think a torts lecture and they were talking about something the teach professor started talking about the NRA and I again at this point still knew I think I just bought my first gun a week before and when I bought my gun they're like would you like to become a member of the NRA and I was like 
sure, that sounds nice. And, <laughs> um, so I'm sitting in lecture and she's kind of spouting off about the NRA. And she goes, is anyone a member of the NRA? And I'm just being an ignorant idiot. Just I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I signed up last week. Uh, I think there's 150 people in that lecture. I was the only hand that went up. And I'm like, wow. My buddy leans over. He's like, yeah, that was a mistake, buddy. Put your hand down. And I was like, oh, sorry. Should have paid a little more attention to what the professor is saying at that moment. Um, yeah, that's a lot of peer yeah, pressure. The, the peer pressure is there. Um, I think that these days, uh, People are going to to, you know, to all universities just to be told what to do rather than to think for themselves. Uh, and frankly, I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, you know, yeah. I got three kids, and if every one of them said, "I want to go to college," I'd be like, "Good for you, man. What do you want to do?" <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not seeing a out. huge downside like my generation was told. You know, got to go to college. It's, yes, if you don't go to college, your your life's ruined. Yeah, right. Um, I think. Times have changed and you know, yeah. the way teaching has changed. For sure. I hope so. Uh, the, uh, the issue of um, college versus not is uh, I think only going to get more pronounced as we, as we move on. And I'm a, you know, I teach college and, and I I'm horrified oftentimes yeah. when I walk on campus because I I've actually, John, I've, I've, I've worn a, an NRA hat. <laughs> after trump won you want to get I, jumped i wore an nra hat to loyola where i was teaching loyal not the law school but the undergrad. my wife went to lmu oh is that right yeah. when did she go there uh oh six to 2010 possible i had her in class possible i did right. teach a, a teach a, a required course philosophy i'll have so, to i'll have yeah. to ask what you might have sure yeah um I, I had a another question about um, where you see this going. Oh, I know. I had a question about um, your history major. I noticed that Judge Benitez is Cuban, and I noticed that. And I know you're not black or Cuban, but I noticed that Clarence Thomas is kind of hard to miss. He's black, and he grew up in the segregated South. Yep. Uh, I mean, Clarence Thomas grew up in the South when there was a real clan and yeah. it was real and it was scary. And uh, so do you think that that has something to do with their ability to see through some of this stuff and to see through I mean, the, the le levels of scr scrutiny game? The yeah. Scrutiny I, game? You know, how can, you know, your life, not have an influence on how you come to decision. So I'm sure it does have an effect. You know, I don't think either of them have ever come out and said anything like that. Right. But well, the, there's yeah. a lot of clan stuff mentioned in the McDonald decision, actually. Um, oh, yeah. They, they who, do reference the, the multitude of, you know, uh, racist gun control laws, which. Yeah kind of were some of the first laws that were ever passed right. uh, on That's fire right. yeah. was all against uh, free blacks and slaves. Uh, yeah. So just to, if anyone's ever questioning what the, you know, where the first couple of racist laws were, it, it started with gun control, I'd argue, but. Um, well, that's why yeah. the second amendment applies against the States because the backdrop of, of the civil war was this, it was how the 14th amendment came to be. So that was yeah. a huge issue. Race issue was a huge issue back then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, a lot of the, the, the laws during the reconstruction, again, they were. Yeah. Did you Not, study that stuff in college? That. Sorry. Did you learn that stuff in college? I did do American history in college. Yeah. Um, but I, again, <laughs> I, I, I swear <laughs> I learned more out of school than I did in school. I, I you know, and I think, you know, my appetite for learning really developed a little bit later on. You know, I tolerated learning uh, yeah. in school as much as I needed to. I always tell people for, for someone who hated school as much as I did, I, I really went through a lot of it. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, you can never stop learning. There's never a bad time to start. Um, and I think, you know, while I was aware and, and did learn, you know, back in college and everything, I think, uh, just in the work I'm doing and the research that I've just done on my own, you know, throughout the years, you know, it's been 
over a decade now of that and you know that's you know where you learn the most just pick up a yeah. book you know, get an audio book uh, i used to just devour audio books on, on the, my la commute back in the day but it's a good idea and there's podcasts now which is why we're doing this exactly you know they, you learn a lot well, John, uh, we thank you for joining us and spending your valuable time uh, as an active attorney. Uh, so your time is valuable by definition uh, on on talking us through the Miller, Miller versus Bonta decision and those issues with the California, uh, quote unquote, assault weapon ban. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to say to close us out? <laughs> uh, no, uh, just thank you for having me. It was uh, truly a pleasure. I had a great time and uh, always willing to talk guns and constitutional law. Oh, we got to ask you, are you a, a 1911 guy? Are you a, well, first of all, are you a semi-auto guy or a revolver guy? Oh, see, this is a problem. I always say I have gun ADD. So I, like I'll focus in on guns and I'll like certain guns. I'll be like, oh, that gun. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, it's whatever's I, in I your like hand. them all. I have, I have 1911s. I have Glocks. I have single action revolvers, double action revolvers, lever actions, semi-auto rifles. I the only thing I haven't gotten really into, which I still need to, is the long range shooting. And, oh, and that's yeah. purely because I'm terrible that anytime I have the money to buy a nice scope to really get into the long range stuff, I go and buy another gun. <laughs> so I mess that up every time. <laughs> Someone listening to this is thinking, he sounded uh, really uh, normal until then, just right at the end <laughs> when he said he had a bunch of guns. He's, I knew he was a nut. Well, I'll give you a tip. So for all those who have wives that are very curious how many guns you have, <laughs> the tip is to never, ever count them. Never count <laughs> how many guns you have. That way, when your wife asks you, how many guns do you have now? You can honestly say, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you know where they are. But just Yeah, no, I know where everyone is, but I <laughs> yeah. never counted them and I never will. I never want to have to lie to my wife. But yeah, how many guns do you have? I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you have any idea never counted never tried that's hilarious to. that's that's <laughs> awesome john uh you're a you're a delightful activist and Wait. uh it, it's obvious that you really enjoy what you're doing and i think that a lot of people are kind of jealous because it, the joy exudes and comes out of your pores of your skin oh, and you. that uh, is fun. i do enjoy what i do <laughs> it's great to have you on our side fighting in california thank you for what you do All right, well, thank you.